Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. I just want to echo what uh, my wife said earlier. It's just really good to be here. This is, although we saw uh, our family in the United States, uh, incredible to see our family, always incredible. We always long for and miss this place. Uh, we love we love Namibia, and because it's full of you guys, uh, your family, and uh, we we miss you guys. And it's just always good to be back and to see you. Welcome everyone to church this morning. I want to uh, discuss this morning this this uh, issue that we all uh, deal with on a regular basis. As a matter of fact, I heard this question over and over again this morning as church started. We did the welcome time. This question: How are you? Right. This is a cultural thing that we do uh, in Namibia, at least if you're not a German Namibian. Uh, we've been told uh, early on when we first came to Namibia that you're not supposed to ask a German Namibian how they are. That's personal. Uh, uh, you're just supposed to say hello. Uh, that's the proper way to greet. We had fun with this. We were just in Europe, actually, and uh, uh, in, in Germany, in Frankfurt, uh, I made it a point to ask every German person at the airport how they were doing. And I got some great responses. Uh, very often it was, well, uh, actually, actually I'm fine. It's a surprise. Why would you ask that, that question? It's personal. But we, we ask how are you culturally because very often we ask ourselves that question. We have these micro, uh, continual, constant self-evaluations. Uh, maybe, I know, you, I'm not even asking if you do this. I know you do this. We all self-evaluate. How am I today? Uh, why did he say that? Why did I say that? What am I thinking right now? And then we, very often, our answer, we had a lot of good answers this morning. Uh, I think I overheard someone say, by his grace, which you need to be more convincing if you really believe it's by his grace. You know, a little more positive about that. You know, how are you? By his grace. Come on. Uh, let's get a little happy about that. If it truly is by his grace. But this is a common answer that we give uh, is, um, uh, it is what it is. Uh, man, that one's, that phrase, it is what it is, please let it wear out. Let, just let it go. It, it needs to go. Or what can you do? You know, that that's one of my favorite ones. What can you do? To which I always answer when someone asks, how are you? And they go, what can you do? I go, you can do a lot, actually. You can do a whole lot. What if we aimed higher than it is what it is? What if we could do better than what can you do? What would that look like? Jesus actually says you can aim higher than what society expects. We can aim higher than societal expectations. We can aim higher than our cultural expectations. We can aim higher than religious expectations. God provides us with a, a solution, and he uh, gives us strength to actually move beyond what society expects. We can exceed our current set of expectations. So next time someone says, how are you? Say, I'll tell you what. Say, by his grace, you know, instead of by his grace. There's two verses I want us to look at this morning because Jesus actually expects us to do better. Look at Matthew 5, verse 20. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. 
So he's saying you can do better, and a warning, you should do better. Because if you don't do better, you're going to miss out on something spectacular. Do better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees. Now, uh, to, to, to continue this conversation this morning, we've got to sort of define the righteousness of the Pharisees. Okay, what was, what are that, what was the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? And f- for this, I'm just going to give you one quick summary, and we'll get into this in more depth. But here's a quick summary. Jesus summarized the righteousness of the teachers of the law of the Pharisees this way. In Matthew 23, verse 24, he calls them what? He says, they are blind guides. And then he uses this great metaphor. He says, you, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. All right? I think we can all hear this metaphor this morning. Uh, I was talking to Rico about this uh, two days ago, and he said, every time, I, every time I hear that verse, I see it. You know, it's imagining this swallowing a camel. You, you, strain, you strain a gnat, but you swallow a camel. That's the righteousness of the Pharisees. This is what we got to avoid, right? We can do better than that. And Jesus invites us to a greater righteousness. That's one of his demands of us, commands of us. You've got to do better than that and experience a righteousness that is better. I, I grew up in West Africa, uh, and I, I've, I've told you this many times where I, where I grew up. I uh, grew up in a, a, a city now called Lome, Lome, Togo, uh, in West Africa, it's a small, small country. And uh, when, when I first went there, the, the country was sort of new in its development. They just gained independence and there were no stores. But there was one store downtown in Lome that we called the American store. And as, you know, as classic Americans, we looked for anything American instead of learning the culture uh, where we were. So we would rush to this, what we called the American store, and look for cereal. Americans love cereal. I don't know if you know that about us. But we love cereal. My favorite is Fruit Loops. I don't know about you guys, but I, I love Fruit Loops. We went to the American store. Thinking, Why does he like Fruit Loops? It's an American thing. Um, and we looked for cereal. And they had cereal. They had a type of cereal that my father absolutely adores. And so he bought a box of cereal, and it was very expensive. He brought it home. And because it was so expensive, he said, I'm going to eat this. I don't care what it tastes like. I'm eating this. You know, I don't care how long it's been in a boat, shipped here. I'm going to eat it. And so he poured a big bowl of the cereal, and uh, he poured milk into it. And uh, before he could take a bite, fortunately, he saw bugs that floated up to the top, you know, just the sea of bugs that floated up. He said, I will not be daunted. I will have cereal today. And so he threw that away, and he got another bowl, and he spread this bowl out on a table, and he picked the bugs out, <laughs> separated the bugs from the grains of cereal, and then he, he put this, uh, he put all this into a bowl, and then he filled it up with milk. And he put a big spoon inside and went like this and ate it. And he said it tasted absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was stale, old cereal, tasted like cardboard. And he ended up throwing the entire uh, box away. Great life lesson. My dad has told this story my entire life. And it's a great life lesson for both of us. In my whole life, I, I heard this story. And the reality, the, the thing is, you know, you, you can miss, by focusing on the micro things, the little things, you miss the real big picture. You miss, by focusing on the gnat, you, you miss the camel, uh, in other words, uh, to, to bring it back to our passage today. We do this often. We uh, can, can consume our life with all the micro, the multiple micro issues that are really not the big problem, the urgent issues instead of dealing with the big issue. 
And very often, that's how we approach life. We get, we get caught by societal expectations, and that's where we spend our time, trying to solve those problems that we see around us instead of solving the bigger problem, which is having a, a close abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the bigger issue. That's the camel that has to be addressed. But very often, we focus our attention here instead of focusing our attention on him. We're distracted by the gnats instead of the camel. Great life lesson. Matthew 23, verse 24, blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. I want this morning for us to, to break open what, that, what the gnats look like, uh, what the gnats look like in the life of the Pharisees and teachers of the law. If you have your smartphone this morning, if you're online, uh, go get your Bible or, or just open up your smartphone, but go to Matthew 23. Um, I'm not going to put all that for you on the PowerPoint. It's, it's a lot. But I'm going to quickly try to run through this to give you a, a picture of what the uh, Pharisees were focused on, their gnats, so to speak, and what, what kept them from actually enjoying sweet life with, with Jesus Christ. Uh, Matthew 23, verses um, 3 and 4, uh, you, we see this picture uh, of Jesus uh, standing in front of the Pharisees and teachers of the law and everyone else, and he says, look, these are the people who are tasked with responsibility of teaching you the Moses law, the law of Moses. And Jesus says in front of them and to all the people at the crowds, he says, just do what they say, don't do what they do. Because they're hypocrites, they're blind guides. They, he went on to describe this, he says, they crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease their burden. In other words, they... They, they demand stuff from people, but they don't do it themselves. So they were hypocrites. They were demanding religious leaders, hypocrites, demanding what they did not do themselves. Um, he goes on and says, you exalt yourself, Pharisees. You put yourself at the important places. You puff yourself up. You make sure that you're noticed before anyone else. You're, you get the best seats at the table. Uh, you make sure that you're noticed. So... This focus on themselves, uh, pride, and that's one of their problems. And he goes on to say, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, in verse 13. What sorrow awaits you because you've chosen this path. You've chosen to deal with the gnats instead of what's important. You hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. So basically, instead of being, being uh, leaders who bring people to God, they actually shut the door in people's faces against uh, God. He talks about how uh, they are focused on making sure they tithe every single thing, piece of income down to the last cent and that they're judgmental on the issues of tithing. Um, talks about how that um, they swear on things. They swear on things that are meaningless. Um, and then he goes on to say, uh, as the passage continues, he said, you're hypocrites. You... you you are, are full of evil, full of injustice, uh, and yet uh, you want to make sure that the outside of your life is, looks clean and pure. He, he goes from there and he says, you're, you're, you're like a whitewashed tomb. He says, you're a beautiful, you're a beautiful headstone, cemetery. You're, so the outside looks pretty, but the inside is full of dead bones. 
Jesus is not mincing words here. He says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees? I do have this verse for you, Matthew 23, verse 25. Uh, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're what? Filthy, full of greed and self-indulgent. You blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean. The problem is, that the Pharisees were very concerned about outward appearances instead of what was inside. Uh, Jesus has other accusations. He says, look, you also, uh, you make sure that you put up uh, big, huge statues uh, to honor your ancestors. He says, but you don't behave in any way like your ancestors behaved. Uh, so not only do you not behave like them, the good ancestors that you have, you also, the bad ancestors, you... <laughs> um, you believe that you're better than your ancestors. So Jesus is not, um, Jesus doesn't hold back. He says, you're a son of vipers, you're snakes. <laughs> That's all in Matthew 23. This very, very strong, strong insult accusation to the Pharisees. Let me see if I can summarize these. I think it's good that we do very quickly. Uh, he was frustrated with the Pharisees and teachers of the law because they taught one thing and lived another, hypocrites. He's frustrated with them because they were legalistic in how they approach religion instead of grace-filled. They're more about the works, the, the things you do instead of faith, belief. Um, they would venerate their ancestors. They worshiped the ancestors instead of they were more concerned about the past instead of the, the current movement. More if I could summarize it this way, they were more consumed with the monuments of their past instead of the movement of the present, that God moving today, they're more concerned about the past instead of the future that God has planned for us, more consumed with the monuments instead of the movement of the living God. Called them whitewashed tombs, called them sons of vipers, snakes. He accuses them of actually uh, spending a lot of money going to other countries to do mission work, to, just to get one convert. This, this felt a bit personal to me when, when, when I read this one. Um, but just to get one person, and they said, when you get that one person, you make them twice the son of hell than you are. That you basically don't disciple them. You, you teach them to be just as bad as you are. These are, these are, these are big accusations. Here. So what does this look like for us? All right. If this is what Jesus is saying about them, what is our righteousness? What is the kind of righteousness that we believe is righteousness but just doesn't measure up to the righteousness that God expects? What is that? Possibly um, we, we too are consumed with uh, these gnats, if you will, these gnats of our life that really are not the bigger issue. Possibly um, we're more concerned about baptism in the church than we are our relationship with Jesus Christ. Possibly we're more concerned about church attendance than we are about a living relationship with Christ. Possibly more concerned about, did I read the Bible today instead of, is my relationship with Jesus good? Did I tithe? Did I observe the sacraments of the church instead of, am I walking closely with Christ? Those are our gnats. Am I being positive enough? Am I giving to enough charities? Not, none of these things are wrong, just, just to be clear. But, but possibly they are the gnats instead of the bigger issue, which is, am I walking with Jesus Christ? And possibly you move from the church to your, your life, 
am I, am I getting, am I contributing enough to social justice? Uh, you know, I'm reading Facebook and all these issues and Instagram, and I see there's a lot of justice issues that I need to be contributing to. Am I, am I doing enough? Am I liking enough social justices on my social media? Am I putting enough hearts? You know, not that I would do social justice, but I at least, you know, want to love people who are doing social justice. Have I honored my cultural traditions enough? Possibly have I not? Have I honored my ancestors enough this week? Uh, have I spent enough time fellowshipping with those who've gone uh, and honoring the dead? Uh, you know, maybe I just need to go spend some time with my family so that we can together honor our ancestors a bit more. I just need to go do that. Got to take care of that. Did I, when did I last update my profile? You know, maybe that's what you're, you're stuck on. <laughs> you know you've asked those questions, right? I pulled up Facebook. I, I'm never on Facebook. I pulled it up the other day. And I got a picture on Facebook, by the way, that I took in 2011. All right? I look so young. It's, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm just going to leave it there. But I don't need to stress about my social profile, right? That's really not the bigger issue. Have I updated it? Am I, you know, am I getting enough likes? Am I, am I truly an influencer? Although I'm not influencing really any particular person, but today, you know, if you're an influencer, it means you get a lot of likes. It means your profile is updated. Yeah, am I getting? I got to monitor those likes. Got to monitor those people checking in. If you will, this morning, I believe those are gnats, and we spend our time sifting out the gnats of our life instead of dealing with the camel. I want to ask you this morning, um, <laughs> and if you're just tuning in online, or maybe you were asleep until this point in the sermon, uh, this question is going to really sound strange to you, but what is your gnat? And what distracts you from the camel? All right? That sounds like a very bizarre question, isn't it? But please, please, if you're just tuning in online, go back. <laughs> what is your gnat? What distracts you from the camel? Your camel is your relationship with God through Jesus, right? That's the issue, is how are you tracking in your relationship with Heavenly Father? That's the bigger issue. There's not a single problem on this. There's not a single gnat issue in the world that cannot be resolved by dealing with the camel in your life, which is your relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're invited. We're invited to be better than the Pharisees and teachers of the law. We're invited as a society, we're invited as the people to, to be better than what society expects of us. Matter of fact, that is our standard, not the society that we live in, but the standard is Jesus Christ. That is who we focus on. That's the camel in our life that needs to be sorted out. If you will, I believe this morning that whatever problem you may be facing, I believe can be solved with an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you're invited to, to distract yourself just for a moment from the gnats and focus on the camel. What is the camel of your life? It is your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the beginning point. That's the starting issue where you've got to park and resolve that one. And then once you've dealt with the camel, it's easier to see the gnats. Look, 
when Jesus in Matthew 5 is talking about this, he says, Matthew 5, verse 20, But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is making reference here to, to, to their interpretation of the religious law, the law of Moses. And certainly there was nothing wrong with the law of Moses. It's the interpretation of the law of Moses, and it's the hypocritical way that the Pharisees lived their life as they interpreted the law of Moses was the problem. But the law of Moses itself is still the gnat in our scenario. Uh, the law of Moses points us to a Savior so that we don't get stuck in the law. We are pointed towards a Savior. And Paul is quick to point this out in all of his letters to the church that he wrote afterwards. This is what he says, Galatians 3, verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law, in verse 24, this is New King James Version, by the way, and is an accurate translation of this word. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. If you will, the gnats are supposed to lead us to the camel. The goal is not to remove just the gnats or to focus on the gnats. Our goal is to be led to the bigger issue, which is faith in Christ. So everything in the Old Testament, everything in the New Testament is designed and placed there to lead us to a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. That, that is the goal. That is the goal of it all. But we can get stuck on the rules, the laws. We can get stuck on religious rituals. We can get stuck on societal expectations. And there we sit. And all we deal with are the gnats instead of the bigger thing. We're being tutored to faith in Christ. This morning, that's the invitation to us, to you and me, is that every one of your issues sits at the foot of a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. The camel, if you will. So, we're invited. Look, this distraction that Jesus talked about with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law is, is not a distraction that has gone away. It continues. It continued even after Jesus, after Pentecost. So you think, hey, Jesus comes, he preaches, he's crucified, uh, he dies, all right? And then he rises again, he spends time on earth, and he ascends into heaven. Remember that great story in Acts chapter 1? They see him, he floats up, he says, but go to Jerusalem, wait, wait. Wait for power. They get power. Pentecost, Acts 2. Pentecost comes. The Spirit of God. They're baptized in the Spirit. And the church is formed. Starts, begins, and starts multiplying. And you think, ah, everything is solved. They only deal with camels now. No. They still get distracted by the gnats. Acts 15. And uh, I don't have all these verses for you on PowerPoint. I have one specific verse of their conclusions. I just want to tell you the story quickly. This is a problem that you see in Acts chapter 15 where the church is growing, church is multiplying, and the church goes past the Jews, all right? So the Jews were the first people to hear. They're the first people to receive. And then it went to people who were not Jews, all the non-Jews of the world. The international community was exposed to the gospel, and they received. They placed faith in Jesus Christ, and their lives were transformed. We see this in Acts 11, Acts 13, 
and then onward to Acts 15, sorry, Acts 11, Acts 13, and Acts 15, you see this movement of Christ across the international community, specifically Antioch, which is current day Lebanon, that whole area, was just multiplying like crazy. The church was multiplying up there. And so once this growth happened, first it attracted attention of Barnabas. Barnabas goes and gets uh, Paul. He says, come hang out with me. T let's help teach people up here in Antioch, you know, how to, how to have faith in Jesus Christ. And then once this gets the attention to the church in Jerusalem, all right, he goes, hey, listen, we need to go correct that up there. We need to go up there and make sure that they truly are not just Christians, but they're also Jews. And that's exactly what happens. They travel. They spend money. They travel up to Antioch. And uh, they ask if they can speak to everyone. They stand up and they say, listen, you guys also need to get circumcised. All right. Can you imagine if that was an issue for us today? Can you? How embarrassing that would be. <laughs> you need to follow Jesus. I mean, it makes it, it seems so ridiculous to us today because that's just not an issue for us today. But in those days, listen. Uh, and we're glad you came to faith, but you need to get circumcised. You need to follow the whole law of the Jews. Whew. And so you can understand why for a person like Paul, who's been transformed by Jesus, is saying, what? What? <laughs> he's, he's furious. They're livid. So he and Barnabas are ticked off. And so they go down to the Jerusalem council, sort of like the head of the church was in Jerusalem. They go down, they have a conversation with them. And they say, listen, man, these Gentiles have come to faith. That's the bigger issue is faith in Christ, not circumcision. But the faith in Christ. Not the gnats. Let's deal with the camel here. These people are children of God now. They didn't have to be circumcised to become children of God. And so Acts chapter 15, this is what happens. Peter, the disciple who actually had to deal with racism after uh, he gave his life to Christ, is something he dealt with ongoingly. This is what he does. He stands up and he says this. Acts 15 verse 8, I believe, is where I have it for you online here. God knows people's hearts. And he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through what? Say it with me, church. Faith. No snippy snippy, just faith. Just want to see if you're out there, people. Just want to see if you're out there. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserving grace of the Lord Jesus. Wow, what a powerful statement from Peter. None of this other stuff. That's gnats. Still with a camel. And then after some more conversation, a little tiny sermon, Acts 15, verse 19, this is the judgment of the council. This is what, um, I believe it's James who says this. This is what he says. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and then from consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city and every Sabbath for many generations. So look, okay, let's not make it difficult. Let's don't add a bunch of gnats to the equation. <laughs> let's make it simple. Because truly, the only way you can have a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. 
place faith. They added a few Jewish laws here, four things basically. They said, let's not make it difficult. So let's just say they, they shouldn't eat um, a food offered to idols. Okay, fair enough. Um, and abstain from sexual immorality. No more sexual immorality. That's not a bad thing. Uh, don't eat uh, food that's meat that's been uh, from strangled animals. And, and don't drink blood. Uh, those are all fair. And honestly, those are all kind of health issues. You know, basically, if you do all these things, you're going to be a healthier person. It's not really a, a you know a shout out to the Jewish law, but more so, uh, these are very simple, good ways to believe. It's, they could all agree these are good things that we should ask people to do, but not everything else. So, the judgment was faith in Christ only, Christ only. And, and really, if, if you want to if you want to apply this to us today, really, our life is is one huge self evaluation of how much I'm taking how much I'm taking from Jesus or how much I'm adding to Jesus or if I'm, if I'm just Jesus, where, where am I? As we self-evaluate, am I focused only on him or am I distracted by everything else? Matthew 23, verse 26. You blind Pharisees, wash the inside of the cup and the dish and then outside will become clean too. Our, our goal this morning our golden life is that we deal with the insides of us. I was thinking about this whole idea of the, the camel and the gnat. Of course, you've heard this a lot this morning. But it, if you're drinking a, a cup of coffee, all right? So let's, let's bring this to coffee since we love coffee. At least I love coffee. Uh, if you had a cup of coffee and you saw some gnats in your coffee, if you had a, a camel and a gnat in your cup of coffee, can you just imagine this? I don't, I don't know about you, but it just seems kind of normal to me that you would deal with the, the camel first. It would seem like that would be the easier place to start, right? Or, or is it just me? <laughs> yeah. Remove the camel. Why don't you just throw the whole cup of coffee away? Just start with a new cup of coffee. And in this particular metaphor, which Jesus used, not with coffee, he uses it with water, okay? So you sift the gnat out, but you swallow the camel. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for this great metaphor. I mean, it's just ridiculous that you could ever swallow a camel, uh, that you could ever miss the camel and not notice it. But that's what we do. That's what we do. Is Our focus and our attention is on the things that are not really important. You know, the, the bigger issue is the camel. Of course. And if I just imagine this picture, this small camel with a huge, I mean, a small cup of coffee with this massive camel sitting on it, there's no way you're even going to see the coffee or much less lift. Are you with me? We should, probably should not take this metaphor <laughs> too far this morning. But we need to deal with the camel. But very often we're overwhelmed by the gnats for whatever reason instead of the camel. The sweetness of our God is this, just like the Gentiles. The Gentiles are not being invited to become Jews, to add a whole set of rules and regulations to their life. Nats, they're invited straight to deal with the camel. They're invited to place faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the only thing that's important. 
That's why the Jerusalem Council finally realized, went, oh, oh, of course, it's only Jesus. Let's don't make it difficult for them to come to faith. Let's don't add a bunch of gnats. Let's, simple, faith in Jesus Christ. And honestly, if you tie a rope around a camel and start pulling, they'll get out of your coffee. It's not that complicated. In actual fact, it's actually easier to lead a camel away from your coffee than to sift out the gnats out of your coffee when you think about it. And Jesus made it pretty straightforward for us, right? He said that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting. If you place faith in Christ, that is the pathway to salvation. I think, I think this morning you, on your path to deal with your biggest issue, you could also get distracted by your set of gnats. Again, what are your gnats? What's keeping you from placing faith in Jesus Christ? Don't get lost in some bizarre doctrines that keep you from placing faith in Jesus Christ, like, uh, gosh, I don't want to say the sinner's prayer. That's a popular one we religious people like to talk about, the sinner's prayer. We get stuck there and distracted by that issue. Uh, we get distracted by, you know, was I predestined for this moment, or was I pre-elected before the you know, dawn for this moment, or... Or can I just place faith in Jesus? Yes, you can. Don't let the gnats, the doctrinal gnats, keep you from doing so. Possibly your gnat is, I'm not good enough. I, I just can't imagine a God who would just wipe away my sins. I'm not good enough. I need to get my life in order before I place faith in Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful gnat, isn't it? I just got to get good so that God would actually receive me. No, no, no. Faith in Christ. Jesus loves you as you are. Only Christ can do the impossible in your life, and that is forgive and transform you. You cannot do this. It is only something that he can do. Place faith in Jesus. You're invited. So don't get lost in the gnats. Deal with the camel. The bigger issue for you this morning is that you give your life to Christ. That you say, okay, by faith, based on Jesus, who you say you are, I'm placing my faith. Even though I don't feel like I deserve it, or I can think of a million reasons why you should not accept me, or why this is totally illogical, but as we heard this morning, you know, don't ignore the woolly mammoth, I think is what he said uh, in the room. Uh, only my friend would say that instead of the elephant in the room. Thank you for the woolly mammoth in the room. Deal with the woolly mammoth. Deal with the camel. Deal with whatever is in your way that's keeping you from faith in Christ. That's, that's your solution, is placing faith in him. This is what John 3, 16 says. For God so loved the world. The reason why we come to him is because he loved us, not anything we did. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Not because of anything you've done. This is God's initiative. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God is not sending Jesus Christ here to point fingers at everybody. And we all know we have sin, right? I don't, I don't think there's anyone here in this room, if I said, do you know you're a sinner? You wouldn't go, I'm not a sinner. All of us know this. 
Jesus is not coming to remind you of something you know already about yourself. You're not, we are not people. We're not good. But Jesus is not here to condemn you. He's here to save you because you can't save yourself. I didn't, uh, the Son of God did not come to the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And then, if you don't mind this morning, verse 18, that first word there you see on the screen, say it with me, whoever. Whoever. Whoever means whoever. So as you're sitting there, you're thinking, but not me. <laughs> not me, because I have this argument that uh, Jesus cannot defeat. I have this argument that God cannot overcome. I'm sure I'm accurate on this point, on this one point. No, 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 even you. Even you and your logic. God invites to make a decision, to place faith in him. That's your camel. You need to deal with the camel. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. For God so loved the world. So you have a choice. We all do, right, this morning. If you've not ever decided to become his child, it's your choice. Whoever believes, it's an issue of you placing faith. You can do that. You can do that quietly, inside, eternally, because God hears you. You don't have to say it out loud. You can. Love to hear, you know, outward declarations. But talk to him through faith and just say, Lord, I, I, I believe in you. I trust you. And the Bible says if you place faith in him, you confess that he is Lord, believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you'll become his child. And this is his doing, not our doing, that he invites us to choose. Whoever believes, this is our action, whoever believes. And this is where it begins. If you've done that this morning, I would love to hear about it because I just want to have a party with you. I'd like to celebrate if you've given your life to Christ this morning. You can do that even now. Uh, if you just, just bow right now you, or keep your eyes open and praise, Lord, I believe. I'm placing my faith in you. But we want to celebrate you if you have done that. Start there. If you haven't started there, you need to start there. But if we're already walking in faith in Christ, we can still get distracted by the gnats, right? And so the invitation is to keep our eyes focused on Christ. And this is where Paul again writes beautifully, Colossians 3, verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then later in, in Colossians 3, verse 23, says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for who? For the Lord. Not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So maybe the camel in your life is that you've never actually placed faith in Christ. You've never become a child of God. That's, that's step one. If you have made that decision, and then for the rest of your life, you need to lift your eyes. Lift your eyes from the gnats and see the camel. Jesus is still the priority. And allow him to 
indwell you. Uh, Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 3, he says that, that our, our love would, would deepen in Christ, that we would deepen in our relationship with him. That's the secret. That's the secret to clean water. <laughs> Take the camel out. Once the camel's out, the gnats are no big deal, right? Deal with the camel. Give your life to Christ if you've never done so. And then keep your eyes lifted to him and do things for him now. That's the righteousness that Jesus is talking about. And it's doable. It's doable because it's powered by him. It's not another set of rules. It's not another set of a religious, you know, a whole other code book that you've got to memorize. No, no, no. It's still faith in Christ, walking empowered by him, moving, keeping your eyes focused just on him, not the rules, on him and allowing him to move in your life. And it's doable. It's doable. Would you just, as our worship team comes up, would you just bow with me? Just close your eyes. Uh, it just helps. It's, it's not some magic potion if we close our eyes, but <laughs> maybe, maybe we could just ponder, start speaking to God about this. Lord, water my gnats. Ask God. Show me my gnats. I would also say, Lord, help me to see the camel. And what is the camel issue? What's, the, what's my faith issue? What's my problem with placing my faith in you, Christ, completely? And ask God to reveal that to you. We're invited. Jesus is inviting us to, to allow him to be part of the solution to your problems, to be the solution to this journey that's ahead of you. You've got this incredible future in front of you. And uh, you, you need to have Christ as every part of it. Uh, th that's how you come out of the hole, whatever hole you're living in right now. So you're invited. You're invited to place faith in him. Whoever believes in him. Whoever. Lord Jesus, we praise you. We thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice of your son. Lord, that whoever believes in you, Father, uh, has eternal life. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast. <laughs>